Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now, you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S.com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. This week, Alyssa Mastromonaco, Michaela Watkins, and Megan Gailey join me to ask, does anybody actually feel bad for Harvey Weinstein? What kind of man refuses to see little women? Do we even care what they think? And finally, can Jennifer Lopez and Shakira save the NFL? We'll answer these and more right now. It's a new year. Thank you for tuning in. If you're listening to this... It means our big, dumb, wet president hasn't gotten us blown up yet. And you're alive. And that's something, right? Well, it's not nothing. Harvey Weinstein now has sex crime trials awaiting him in both New York and Los Angeles. Becoming the first truly bi-coastal celebrity sex creep of the Me Too era. So congratulations for that, Harvey. Some Republicans in the Senate want the Supreme Court to unsettle the so-called settled law of Roe v. Wade. Somewhere, a disappointed Susan Collins is frowning into a paper bag. To sort this out and more, I'm going to call my friend, former White House Deputy Chief of Operations under President Obama, and real-life adult Lisa Simpson, Alyssa Mastromonaco. Welcome to the winter of my discontent. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Ah, this it is, feels awesome. Yeah, I don't like it. I mean, every, I think 2020 is a cunt. Yeah, it's pretty bad. But I did come up with a really dumb question to kick off the year. With. Let's kick it off. Um, Alyssa, <laughs> I'm so embarrassed of this, but whatever. Alyssa, do you, know, do you know what it's called when you're only attracted to men who are who have the mo- emotional maturity of teenagers? I actually wanted to try to think about it, but no, Erin, what is it? Peter Pansexual. I hate myself so. It's the only <laughs> that's the only thought that I'm I've like allowed myself to have in this this awful year. Um yeah, so I mean, the good news is that we're both still alive, so that's cool. We are my adult acne. It's like taking a back seat a little bit for the holidays, which is which is nice. That's great. That's great. Um and uh you know, we're going to be able to talk about some things that are not maybe the what's going on over in the Middle East and what our big wet president is doing. Um I want to talk first about Harvey Weinstein. A little bit lighter fare than World War 3. So Weinstein was charged with two counts of rape in Los Angeles on Monday. He's also facing charges of sexual assault in New York. Alyssa, what do you think will happen? I mean, who the fuck knows? Well, see, I like the very law and ordery parts of all these stories. So I've been following via the New York Post and USA Today. Uh And my favorite thing that happened the other day. I guess it was yesterday or the day before, is that the judge, think of the hubris. This is this is what made me so mad about this story. The hubris. that he Harvey Weinstein was told to not fucking play with his phone. And then he got yelled at for playing with his phone. It is like the encapsulation of who he is as a human. Like, 
he takes like he's depressed and he's got his little walker, but he's still not taking it seriously. Like he still doesn't understand. I feel like he fucking did some really bad shit. Yeah. He's a person who thinks that the rules don't apply to him and it will never get through his head that they do. They are currently applying to him. It is why he is on trial. This is the rules applying to you, Harvey. You can't just do whatever you want all the time. There's an article in Vanity Fair about how he's like a a pain in the ass to work with. Like he's super demanding with his lawyers and he calls them at all hours of the day. And it's sort of funny to to think like, you know, his lawyer, he's had a few rounds of lawyers fire him because he's such a pain in the ass. And that actually makes me feel happy that he's not, he's not getting what he wants. He's sort of a Veruca, uh, Veruca salt figure, I guess, but much <laughs> more evil. So here's, a, here's the thing I'm thinking about is, Tell me. You, you know, more than 80 women have accused Weinstein of sexual misconduct. Um, and that those accusations span decades. Those accusations, like if they were an age, are too old to star in a Harvey Weinstein produced movie. Um, but, you know, the the cases now are dealing with sexual uh, misconduct allegations that took place within the statute of limitations. And there is a good chance that he won't be convicted because the American justice system has a standard that people need to be held, be found guilty to uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt. So, what if he isn't convicted, Alyssa? Do you think that it'll, it'll embolden the wrong people or discourage people? What'll happen? I can't imagine if he, like, like Aaron, I haven't even allowed my mind to go to the place where he's not convicted on at least one count. Though I will say, following the jury selection process as I have been, they're saying that before they even get to voir dire, which is where they get to ask all the jury members like very specific questions. That's a great vocabulary gonna, word. Thank you, voir dire, um, that it's going to be at least until January 21st when they get through like just the questionnaires people have had to fill out because you basically like the thing is, is that for the defense, it's so easy to just get rid of jurors. It's like, who can really say they've heard nothing about the case? Right. You know what I mean? So I really do worry that the standard, even for just being a juror, (laughs) is is so high like like you have to have been living in a cave that i just i mean i think it would be terrible if he got away with it because he is the most sickening and egregious example mm-hmm. of what's happened and and really kind of aside from people losing their jobs the only one who's being held to account so i i really i can't even conceive of the idea that he would not be like found guilty on on something. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm coming at it from the opposite angle because I th- I think a lot about the financial crisis and how only like one mid-level executive went to jail after all of that. Um and Harvey Weinstein, you know, it's it's not a one-to-one co- uh, comparison, but I just don't think that I'm I'm cynical that powerful people are ever truly held to account for things. Um, well, I, I'm, I'm just, I just am not, I'm trying to prepare myself mentally for the fact that he might not be convicted, but that doesn't mean we've lost. Do you know that when I can't sleep, I watch the movie Too Big to Fail about the financial crisis okay. because it reminds <laughs> me of a terrible time, but when people still kind of at least knew what they were doing in the middle of a crisis. But Harkening back to my favorite movie, I agree with you that at the end, you are always just gut punched, even though you've watched it 35 times, Mm -hmm. that nobody got in trouble. One person, not even a big guy. And like, you know, what's his face? Um, The guy who ran Lehman Brothers, Dick Fold. Dick Fold. He didn't have have a great ending to his story. But like, No. no, you're right. You're right, Aaron. But you know that I live... You know, I have IBS and if I just, if I don't think somewhat happy thoughts, I just, I can't leave the apartment. So I don't disagree with you. I actually totally agree with you, but I just can't fully go there. Right. I mean, another thing is, you know, I don't know if you read this profile of his lawyer that was in Vanity Fair, Donna Rotano. Um, That woman. She is disgusting. Awful. (laughs) Um, I'm just going to read a couple. I mean, this is clearly a fuck that guy situation um, for the client and for his attorney because she sucks. Um, Here's a quote from uh, this Vanity Fair piece on her. Uh, she's she's trying to kind of hold herself out as this um, anti-Me Too crusader, which I... It's like being... I know! It's like, it's like being anti-penicillin. It's like, no, I think we should 
preserve the viruses. It's like, Donna, you idiot. Um, She said to Vanity Fair, the pendulum is swinging so far in the overly sensitive direction that men can't really be men and women can't really be women. I feel that women may rue the day that all of this started. All of this started when no one asks them out on a date and no one holds the door open for them and no one tells them that they look nice. Um, I did read that. What? What are you talking about? Asshole. Like, like literally, you know what? We should just like overlook 50% of sexual assault and just deal with it so that we don't have to open the door for ourselves. She suffers from the same problem Donald Trump does. She's just dumb. And I don't use the word lightly, but she's dumb. I mean, here's another thing she said. Uh, if women want equal rights and equal pay and equal, equal opportunity, then you also have to take equal responsibility. So being raped. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, that is a that is an objectively dumb thing to say, but it's also destructive. And uh, I wish her nothing but failure. I truly do. I think that she I mean, I'm angry at Harvey Weinstein because he's a he's a monster and a a psycho. Uh, But I'm angry at her because it's like you are you should know better. Don't you have any sisters? Don't you don't you have like haven't and hasn't any man ever tried to take advantage of you? Like, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Okay, speaking of women who are sort of traitors, I want to talk a little bit about Joni Ernst, Cindy Hyde-Smith, Deb Fisher, and Marsha Blackburn. Do you know what they have in common besides being Republicans? Oh, are they jumping? Are they jumping to try, jumping up and down, up and down, doing calisthenics to try to overturn Roe v. Wade? They are. They're the four women that signed the amicus letter um, in support of the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. Um, Last week, while everybody was busy kind of deflating from the holidays, more than 200 members of Congress sent a letter to the Supreme Court saying that the landmark decision about um, abortion in America, Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which was from um, 1992, I believe, um, they think that we should go ahead and look at it because it's not settled law. Uh, Susan Collins... Could not be reached for comment. <laughs> Alyssa, what do you make of it's this? Because it's settled law, uh, Aaron. It's settled law. Oh, God. This, well, my favorite part of this whole fucking situation is that n- like 97% of the people who signed the letter were men. Mm-hmm. It's like, really? That's so crazy. You feel like you should have all of these like powers over my body. Go fuck yourself. I mean, this is just so... I can't tell if like they're just so emboldened by the fact someone so dumb is president that they're like, maybe we finally got a chance. But it just feels so retro. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing that's really telling is that abortion legality is a very popular thing in the in the U.S., right? And uh, of there's 13 Republican senators that are up for reelection next year, and most of them didn't sign this letter. Because they're up for re-election next year. So, um, because 71% of Americans think women should have the right to choose. Yeah. And here's something that's, that's funny to me. Um, you, you might have to, this is a little bit of a, a ride, but you know, um, during the Golden Globes and Ricky Gervais was talking about how like celebrities shouldn't have any opinions on politics because like what business do they have? Basically like you're, you're, oh, yeah. you don't have the training, whatever. Um, it's interesting that like after he, after he said that in his opening monologue, which I partly agreed with, partly disagreed with, um, a lot of right wingers were like, hell yeah, you know, yeah, stay in your lane. People shouldn't weigh in on things that they have no idea about. But I think a lot of those same people are totally comfortable pretending to be gynecologists when it <laughs> comes to abortion. And it's sort of like, look, if you're going to stay, if you want people to stay in their, your lane, fine, but stop cosplaying gynecology. It's creepy. I'm That's what it is. It's gynecology cosplay. Ugh, gross. Gross. oh god okay well let's move on um let's move on to toast and roast i think um because we let's let's end on a on a high note i have uh two toasts i think we have you you have a toast i have a toast i'm gonna do the toast first Uh, i want to toast michelle williams the michelle williams who just won a golden globe not the michelle williams who was in destiny's child although she's worthy of toasts all the time too because she's great this specific toast is to uh, Michelle Williams, the actress. Um, she won Best Actress in a Limited Series for Fosse Verdon at the Golden Globes, and she gave a speech about reproductive justice afterwards. And she said, basically, during her speech, that women should vote for their own best 
interests because men have been doing it forever. And I actually think that it's awesome that she stood up and said that. I think that all women, regardless of how involved you are in politics, have a right to have an opinion about what's going on in the world and what's going on in their bodies. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that she stood up despite Ricky Gervais's, you know, finger wagging against it. So toast to her. I was toast to her. I was very moved by what she said. And I love the criticism of her the next day from people, of course, who don't didn't agree with her, who are like, she was so rehearsed. And it's like, really? At the Golden Globes, you think you might have given five minutes of thought to what you might say? Go fuck yourself. Yeah, um, she was too good. What? She was too good just because she can speak without a teleprompter and be coherent. Unlike our current president, doesn't yeah. mean that she's insincere. I have a toast. Elizabeth Wurzel, author, memoirist, author of Prozac Nation, who died at the age of 52 from breast cancer. She had the BRCA gene and later in her life became a activist for people to get checked for the BRCA gene. But the thing that I loved about her is that she was one of the first people to write because her book Prozac Nation came out in 1994, which was my senior year in high school. So I actually read it as a freshman in college. And it was just so for all of the things that you're told to read in high school and growing up, it's like you have to be so proper and you should never feel or show despair or angst or doubt or anything like that. And her book was really one of the first ones I ever read that was just so raw and you didn't have to be you know, embarrassed about how you feel. And, you know, I just, uh, I think that my books are a little bit the way they are because of her. And so we just want to say like, RIP. Rest in peace. Yeah. In calm winds and following seas, as they say. Yeah. I mean, the thing about her is that she was really fearless about being flawed in writing. And, you know, if you take a look at men who have been celebrated for doing the same thing, like Charles Bukowski, Hunter S. Thompson, um, women were kind of denied that. And uh, she really went for it and she did not apologize for it. And uh, she's extremely influential figure, no matter whether you're a Generation X member or if you're a millennial or you're a younger woman who's just discovering memoir writing and essays. Like she is the godmother of this moment in uh, in literature, for better or for worse. And it's a shame and a tragedy that she was taken so young. And weirdly, in the movie that was made about Prozac Nation in 2001, Michelle Williams was in the movie and it was produced by Harvey Weinstein and Miramax. What? Oh my God. I just really fucking blew your mind, didn't I? It all comes full circle. Um, wow. Uh, well, Alyssa, mm-hmm. let's uh, let's hope next week is not so much, you know? Let's hope it's a little less. I mean, let's be able to just talk about cats again. Oh my God. I haven't seen it yet. You mean the musical or the animal? The musical oh, okay. is still so controversial. <laughs> okay, I'll uh, I'll go see it and I'll report back to you. Alyssa, looking forward to talking to you again. Always a pleasure. Bye. Bye. Now it's time for some commercials, but there will be more hysteria after the break. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix zero-sugar hydration drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe mushroom coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I just like, I, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. 
Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast. No dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito. <laughs> not not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ bar's ultimate sampler pack. That's seven IQ bars, four IQ mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount. Text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. Okay, welcome back, everybody. It's the first uh, personal political segment of 2020, the year that already sucks so much more than I even imagined it possibly could suck. But uh, I want to introduce my panel first because I can't bear to be alone at a microphone for any longer. First, she's a stand-up comedian and a newly married woman. Wow. Megan Gailey. Hello. Congratulations. Thank you so much. So good to see you. It's great to see you, you yeah. ladies. We're here. Well. Thank you. We're it, here. It does feel nice to use your brain again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does. Brains. It was getting a little... I mean, I've been smoking a lot of weed, too, but it was getting a little foggy in my brain for a few weeks. Whenever I smoke too much weed, I while I am in the throes of it, yes. I am like, I am a genius. All yes. of these new thoughts are coming to me. I'm going to remember these when I'm not stoned, and yeah. I don't. I yeah. like, uh, yeah, the, the thoughts are like, one noteworthy thought was... Uh, you could just use regular scissors to cut a pizza, you know. Well, I do know a lot of people that do that. <laughs> I know. I mean, if you go to K-Town, they use scissors to yeah. cut up, like, beef bulgogi. It's a it's a normal thing. I did not come up with that, but I thought I had. I thought it was a genius, and I totally wasn't. <laughs> um, next, you can see her on The Unicorn on CBS. It's Michaela Watkins. Hi. I, I just want to say, there are kitchen shears. Like, you know, we yes, have them. I know. They, they, they go in your in knife the block. block. In the yeah. knife block, yeah. And they're for just... Just all the things that you said. (laughs) Cutting whatever you want. Anyway, uh, I want to get started talking about something. I mean, I feel like there's been a lot to talk about, and it's all kind of been piling up. I wondered what the topic was going to be. I was waiting. Like, what will we... I know. What will it be? I got excited. Well, here's the thing that I've been thinking about a lot. So uh, we all get, like, screeners sent to us in the mail, Mm -hmm. right? We all get, like, DVDs. If you pay your dues. If you pay your dues to to unions in the entertainment industry. Um, Around Thanksgiving time, you start getting mail every day that is, like, DVDs of movies that are up for... Or Mm -hmm. that, you know, studios and uh, people are trying to push for awards. Um, A lot of times it's... Sometimes it's a little much. Like we got mm-hmm. a marvelous Mrs. Mazel, like pink yeah. vanity box that horrifying. smelled like dill and locks when you opened it. It smelled like dill and locks. Yeah, it oh smelled like God. the inside I of Russ and Daughters. That they put smell. um they put gambling chips in there yeah. that say Mazel on them. Yeah, yeah. poker chips poker you could chips. never like, use. But we all have Amazon Prime. We can watch it. I also I did the thing where I opted to not get any of the of the for your consideration. Not not the movies. The movies I take uh-huh. happily, uh-huh. greedily, yeah, joyfully. Um, but the but the. TV series, uh, you can opt out I didn't of it know that. Well, because oh. it's a environmental shit show. It is. Yeah. It's and, really cr- and like ugh, it's Ricky Gervais. Talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's that's actually you can do your little rant with your two full beer about that. Yeah. But yeah. Everything. Also, it's a disaster. I don't need a pile of screenplays. I truly don't. No. Because when I get them, I'm like, what do I do with them? I get excited about the movies in the mail. And the mm-hmm. one that I was the most, one one that I was among the most excited about was Little Women. Yay. Greta Gerwig's Little Women. Um, just because I love it when movies that are about women mm-hmm. become like serious award contenders. And I really like Greta Gerwig. I thought Lady Bird was one of my favorite movies in a, a long time. When I saw it, it was it just like blew my mind. She's great. She's so talented. Um, and I was excited about the cast. And uh, I watched it right like over Christmas in the lay around mm. time in uh, Pittsburgh. And 
Around that time, I was also noticing a lot of coverage of it, you know, so before I even was able to like watch it and form an opinion, there was a lot of coverage out there that was like, men don't want to see little women. Mm -hmm. You know, they're having these screenings for Academy members and male Academy members aren't showing up to see little women. Men don't want to review little women. So I want to talk about that because I don't think Little Women is the first movie that that has happened to. I think the reason we're having the conversation now is because people have like gotten wise to the fact that men are real dicks about seeing things that women made and things that are about women. So let's get started. Michaela, since Mm -hmm. I think it's been the longest since I've seen you, Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on the debate about men wanting to see Little Women or not see Little Women? You know, I just recently saw a clip of somebody asking Tina Fey, like, is it a good time comedically for women? And she's like, it's a great time. It's 11, 18 a.m. Our best time for comedy is between 11 and 1 p.m. And it's like, that is just so fucking insidious that anybody would even ask, you know, like, is it, are women funnier? Is it interesting? Should we, are your, is your art valid? You know, here's the thing. Like, I just, I'm just so tired of this idea. And I think it less and less this is happening. I think it's actually men are really starting to come around, especially younger men are starting to understand the merits of like actually watching films, you know, made starring about women, any art, you know, made and starring women. Um, But, you know, when I was in high school, I would go to boys' houses, and if I wanted to hang out with them, it was on their fucking terms. So I had to sit in their basement and watch their skate movies. And (laughs) I didn't have, like, it wasn't up for grabs. There wasn't another option. It's not like they were going to come to my house and watch. I mean, I don't even know what they would watch. There wasn't really another option. There wasn't, like, there were no shows for my interest, because they weren't being made at the, you know, that time in mm-hmm. the late 80s and 90s. So like early 90s. So it was just like it, nobody was making mixtapes mm-hmm. <laughs> and third base sitcom because that's all I cared about. Um, no, but I mean, it was just like there just weren't those options. Now there are those options. And I just remember just sort of shows like Ab Fab where I was like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. this is genius. Mm-hmm. And this is way funnier than the Seinfelds and the everything else. And you couldn't get guys' eyes on it. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with music. Like you couldn't, you know, in punk, like Slater Kinney kind of squeaked by and I, I, and got in. And it was really hard to get guys' eyes and guys' respect for things that were made by and for and about women, you know. Mm-hmm. And... I feel like this is, you know, a permutation of now this male gaze where we're finally seeing the female gaze. And I just feel like it's freaking great. Mm -hmm. I love that there, I want there to be so much art made. Here's the thing. We don't even really care if men are watching it anymore. And now they're getting curious about it. Well, here's the thing. It it really didn't need, you know, for all the, the chatter about whether or not men were going to go see it, it didn't need them. It, it really killed it at the box office yeah. over Christmas. It's continuing I mean, to do really I, well. Like, I hate to break it to you guys, but like we kind of moved on from whether or not you give a shit about whether this is a good piece of art or not because we're interested in it and we're going to talk about it and you're going to feel really super left out and then you're going to have to come around just like we did and watch your dumb skate movies and (laughs) and it's fine and guess what you should be watching them because you need to know what the female experience is just like we had to learn what the male experience is in Mm -hmm. fact i want women to make so much art Mm -hmm. that men will finally say like God, I can't believe they just, oh, if I have to watch one more movie where I'm expected to look into the eyes of a woman and know how she's feeling. I mean, why don't they make movies that guys care about? When are they going to make a butts and tits movie? Um, You know, I want that much art to happen so I can hear men complain that there's too much, like too much stuff by women, you know, because... All we've ever had for the past 100 years is just art made for and about men. And yeah. we've, you know, I had to sit there and be like, find what was great about Raging Bull and really <laughs> embrace it and talk about it in an intellectual way about how it was the best movie ever, mm-hmm. even though it was Kathy Moriarty who you was know, the most interesting. As you, were, as you were speaking about like men inhabiting like the women's experience and how it's like difficult for them, even though we're expected to constantly inhabit their experience and understand mm-hmm. what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Megan, I was thinking about sports mm-hmm. and this is the thing that always bothers me when I was a kid because I used to love like remember the like Team USA with like Cheryl Swoops yeah. on it mm-hmm. yeah I had a Cheryl Swoops jersey and I remember when I bought it 
that they they didn't make men's versions of it. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think that there's a similar bias in sports fandom that men are that women are expected to watch men play sports, but men don't really mm-hmm. go out of their way to watch wow, women's yeah. sports? Oh, a thousand percent. I did a show last week, and a comic on stage like referenced the U.S. women's soccer team, and a man yelled, "No one cares." And it's like, honey, a lot of people cared. <laughs> it had better rating. I mean, that unfortunately, what it comes down to of like, should we care or not? Financially, we have to care because for me personally, I mean, I can't, I really care about things that affect me and I struggle with things that don't, but this is something that like directly affects my pocketbook because I'm a woman who creates things. And if men don't want to consume them, then I don't get to create them anymore, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Um, In sports, it definitely happens. I was trying to get a Meta World Peace women's jersey. They don't make it. And it's like, we love World Peace. We are (laughs) the number one sponsors of Ron Artest (laughs) and World Peace because they make pink jerseys for us. And it's like, I don't want a pink jersey. I think I've said this here before. I fucking hate pink jerseys and I love the color pink. It's my favorite color, Mm -hmm. but I just want to wear what Dwight Freeney wears. And I don't want it to be tied to some faux, weird, we believe that you guys care about breast cancer and we want to sell more jerseys thing. Just give Mm -hmm. me the jersey Mm -hmm. and like stop with your bullshit pandering. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's how I feel. You know, I mean, here's the thing. Like, I, I think to Michaela's point that maybe we don't need them as much as the industry has told us we needed them mm-hmm. because Little Women's killing it at the box. Every time a woman, every time a woman helmed movie does well, like Hustlers, mm-hmm. uh, people are like, oh, well, I guess yeah. they, they act surprised. They have like these goldfish memories like, well, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a, a, a movie starring women of color can make a lot of money. Yeah, that's what you said last time a movie yeah. starring a woman of color made a lot of money. It kind of reminds me of the conversation of like every time there's like a beautiful female comedian who becomes like the it girl, people are like, oh, you can be beautiful and funny it's like remember lucille ball guys yeah that happened so long ago that a lot of people that remember her are dead like come on like but the thing that i was thinking about is like do we need men do we need male audiences and the kind of crusty old dinosaurs of the academy and and to get taken seriously because we can make clearly make money without them Mm -hmm. but do we need them to be to, to have a serious reputation. I mean, again, less and less. You know, it's like we used to call movies that had uh, were about women like chick flicks. Mm-hmm. And if it was about men, they were just called movies. I mean, what the Dick fuck flicks? is that? <laughs> Dick flicks. There you go. But I just think that there's not... I don't think people say chick flicks. I think if you say chick flick to somebody, they roll their eyes super hard at you because it's just like, okay... Just shut the fuck mm-hmm. up. You know, right. it's saying more about you and your your myopic view and your and your just dumbness than it is about a movie. And I think that that women have really like surpassed and moved on beyond the opinions of men. Unfortunately, you know, Hollywood is preaches a lot and is really slow to catch up with itself. So you're still going to find, you know, things like wage disparity for women and um, and and the, the pay gap is very real and very huge and people are very slow to it. But movies like um, that have come out starring women, I'm going to plug one that I did called Britney Runs a Rent Marathon. Oh, I loved I, that movie. Oh, thank you. See, you love it. My own father really could not see himself anywhere in that movie. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I think it was very easy for him to, to write it off uh-huh. um, as not... I mean, I think he even said the words, I don't think anybody's going to remember this movie at all. <laughs> like, he's like, oh, I he mean, was, I think you are. <laughs> um, but, but I mean, in his opinion, it's not about anything he can relate to. And the world that he yes. knew and how it reflected how he lived in it. I mean, there's a lot of biracial couples. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of gay couples. There's a lot. It doesn't reflect the world that he grew up in. And it, it, it just I mean, I love you, Dad, but it just doesn't fucking matter. Like, so what does he just watch the Irishman over and over again? <laughs> but it's, it's so frustrating because we have the I mean, and this is probably an argument that women tend to be more well-rounded consumers in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. We have the ability. I've watched so many fucking movies I don't care about. My husband likes the stupidest movies. Every movie he loves is about a man that is dumb mm-hmm. and then a hot woman that he could never get in the real world is like, I'll help you. I love you. <laughs> and then that's the end. And he's like, isn't that amazing? And then he listens to podcasts about it. And it's like, I don't want to listen to the Safdie brothers talk about anything. I don't fucking care. <laughs> I don't care. 
get me Greta on my TV or get the TV the fuck out of the house. I mean, <laughs> I'd love to work with them someday. <laughs> um, I mean, I was just thinking about identity, like the way that we identify and, and as women, as viewers, uh, we've been kind of pushed to identify with male characters yeah. our entire lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and men haven't had the reverse, especially white men haven't had mm-hmm. the reverse. Do you think that's actually kind of a superpower that we go out, we've either been forced to or we go out of our way to experience the world through other people's eyes? I think that makes us more empathetic. Yeah. I think that makes us better not relating to people. I think that makes us better at socializing. Well, we understand 100%. their stories. And I mean, it's the same thing for people of color. Like everybody's like, well, I don't know if Blackish is my show. I'm not black. It's like that, you know, I wish, I wish Naomi could, I know Naomi's sick yeah. today, but like, I wish she could be here to speak to that because I feel like there's so many ways and like, yes, you do, you do need to see these people on your television so that you can start, get out of your own stories, get into other people's stories. We've been so conditioned our whole lives to understand how men are. Look, the Joker. Did you guys see the Joker? My Look, least favorite oh, movie. I, I mean, beautiful movie. Pretty. Gorgeous. Terrible. Edited splendidly. Acted ridiculously well and it is a movie I could give two fucking shits about. I don't want your incel little manifesto. I would so much rather and why isn't the world embracing? And I have to watch The Joker because that's the free little I screener that the comes Jerker to me. The Joker for a second. The Jerker, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. The Jerker. Well, it is. A, there's it, a lot of it that. Gets in it. it gets nominated. It gets nominated. So now it's in my, you know, um, kitty of what I get to watch. But like, if if you haven't seen, you know, Diary of a Teenage Girl is the same sort of mm-hmm. like, I'm confused. I don't know how to move through the world. And it is so... It's such a better movie. Yeah. It is yeah. just such a better movie. I mean, I'm I'm not exaggerating that mm-hmm. Josh and I have gotten in like five fights about the Joker. <laughs> Every single time somebody brings it, we got in a big fight after we saw it, and then an earthquake happened, and that stopped the fight. It was like one of those things where it's like, okay, good, this fight can be done now because there's an earthquake. And but it's just like you know, it's I've found that like we're having two separate conversations. I'm like, I hate this viewpoint being represented mm-hmm. as, a, as like something sympathetic. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I think the movie is technically great. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they're two separate conversations. Luckily in my household, I had the same viewpoint you did. I was like, this is terrible and like not the time and just everything bad. And my husband was like, this is technically really bad. So like we hated it for different reasons, Uh, but I've been getting so mad at him. I I love Little Women mm -hmm. and he loves Francis Ha. I loved Francis Ha too. It's one of his favorite movies. Mm. Hasn't seen Little Women. Mm -hmm. He, He loves the woman who directed Hustlers. Hasn't seen it. Oh. And so there is this thing. I've started I have some issues with that. But of course, no, oh, no, no, yeah, no. you have some issues with him. Has, no, with hustlers. hustlers. Yes, but I can uh, go into that. Uh, I had a timeline thing that I was like, which has been. It was so, we've flashed two years. What's happening? But I like he should see. I mean, it's. I've started just saying in conversation with other people that he does not support art created by women. Mm -hmm. And it's partly as a joke, but it's partly, it's like, you're a cinephile. You go to the new Beverly all the time to escape me. Go watch a movie (laughs) that's made by a woman instead of watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood 17 times and falling asleep and smiling through the murder scene. Like, (laughs) I mean, does he always smile when he sleeps or just when he's just just sleeping? Just when someone's using like a fire torch on a woman in a pool. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, but she deserved it. Of course she did. She deserved it. Um, you know, I always think of stories that people tell that are like very intimate and, and individual to them as like really generous invitations into their lives and their world. Did you see Atlantics yet? It's a Senegalese movie that you can get. Um, you can, it's on Netflix. It's, we both looked at you like, oh, we've missed something. <laughs> okay, no. so everybody who's listening and you guys also should see. I don't listen. Atlantics. It's a female director. It's her first feature. It is like a supernatural romance drama, and I don't want to give anything more okay. away about it. It is beautifully shot. Mm. There's a sort of like surrealism to it, um, and it's just it's it's great. It's it's set in Dakar, Senegal, and it's it's really incredible. But that's an example of a movie that it's like this is a hundred percent not my experience. It, yes. It's told from the story of a 17-year-old Senegalese girl who is promised in marriage to somebody, but she 
is in love with somebody else. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're young and they they are in love and they're in a totally different culture than my culture. But it's like so cool. It's like, wow, the director made this thing and now I can see what this is like. Why wouldn't you take the opportunity to see what something else besides you is like? How boring to just watch movies that are your experience too. Mm -hmm. Moonlight is one of my favorite movies of all time. And Barry Jenkins is so great. It's Mm -hmm. so different than my experience, but it, it, because of that, it moves me in a way that anyone had to feel that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I just think that you're missing out by not choosing to, I mean, think what we'd miss out if Norman Lear never put black people on our televisions. (laughs) Well, yeah. It's like with the Jeffersons and Mm -hmm. even Archie Bunker. So I think it's actually, it's it's kind of funny that, you know, when you talk to a lot of straight men, they're like, well, what do women want? What Mm -hmm. do they feel? We don't know what they want. We don't know what we feel. It's like, we're writing shit down about Mm -hmm. it. We're making movies about it. We're making TV shows about it. If you want to know how women think and what women are feeling, you can hear from a lot of them who have a lot to say about that. That article that you sent from The Guardian about Mm -hmm. the the male glance, not the male gaze, not to be confused. Worse, worse. The male glance is worse than the male gaze. I love that article. I read it a while ago. I retained none of it. So I read it all again <laughs> last night and I'm probably going to forget it all again. But um, I, I, anybody should, everybody should find this article on the internet. But it's, um, talks about how, you know, the male gaze is sort of like woman on, you know, uh, like a love boat kind of show, a uh, man resting by a pool and a tray comes into screen and, you know, behind the tray of drinks is like two luscious, bronzy, sweaty, gorgeous boobs, you know, and <laughs> but like, no head, but no head. And a man just being like, don't mind if I do and reaches for like a sweaty cocktail off the, you know, tray. And that's, that's male gaze. Like that's, that's the role. That's how we see women move through the world. The male glance is actually worse where it's like you have a, a, a show, a, you know, about women, let's just say girls or something like that. And the male glance is that they do look at it. Mm-hmm. They, they, they acknowledge that the art is there for their taking. And then they go, not for me. Mm-hmm. It's like sort of like, a, huh, yeah, I looked at it. I don't know. I moved on. It's like you, oh, you even took the time to sort of watch it. And then you sort of just kind of went, not my story, not my problem. Mm-hmm. And this kind of, uh, I, I don't know. I just think that that to me is like, no, no, no. You watch that and mm-hmm. you take it in and you learn, just like you said. I mean, I don't know what women want or what they're thinking. You guys are crazy. Yeah. We're showing you. Fucking read a book by one of us. <laughs> read a story by one of us. Watch a show starring one of us, written by one of us. Like mm-hmm. there's, there are a lot of women. I don't know if you, I mean, you know, if you watch a movie, I think only You 30... guys are just mad all the time. I don't know if I can ask you out. I don't know if I can flirt. <laughs> we're showing you. We're showing what? We're showing you when something's a turn on, when it's not. We're showing you like when it's. Yeah, I think some of it, too, is unfortunately subconscious because Mm -hmm. it has just existed for so long. Mm -hmm. So the guys that are being like, what do you want? They don't even know that they're doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a personal theory, like when you go to a comedy club uh, around the U.S., they have pictures up of who is coming over the next few months. And you could have a photo of me with my credits, and you could have a photo of a man with the same credits. Mm-hmm. We are both unknown to the audiences. Mm-hmm. People, and I include some women in that, do not want to go see a female comedian perform that they don't know, mm-hmm. and they will go see a male comedian that they don't well, know. Well, you mm-hmm. might steal their husband. Exactly. They just don't have—they're like, if we haven't heard of her, mm-hmm. then she's probably not funny. And And if if we haven't heard of a man, but he's been on these late night shows and been on these networks, he's got to be funny, but we just don't know who he is yet. Mm -hmm. And that is like... We feel safer. Truly what is happening. We feel safer in the unknown quantitative uh, X factor that is a a man and he might be terrible, but we're used to that. Yes. And then if it's a woman who's terrible, we get angry. Mm -hmm. I wanted to pivot really quickly too, because I think that a lot... I think what we're kind of circling is the fact that we want we want men to take in our stories. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, we feel like we need to compromise a little bit. We need to make ourselves look a certain way or we need to make stories have a character in them that men can kind of view as their avatar within the story. You know, we need to do make all these concessions to get men to watch. And even then, they still might not watch. Uh, Timothy Chalamet is a delight in Little Women. And he's 
I mean, he's great. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, he's going to play Bob Dylan. In a, I heard he Let's make another movie about Bob Dylan or oh, whatever. I know. But um, Timothy Chalamet. Come on. That's going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I will watch that. I would watch him read a phone book because he's great. But, you know, there's a the, the Laurie character in Little Women is like a, you know, a, a relatable male character who's like hopelessly in love with a woman gets his heart broken. Um, and that and a trust fund kid. <laughs> yeah. Right. And a trust fund kid. So he's aspirational. Um, but, you know, there's. Some women who make art who have kind of decided, like, fuck it. Mm-hmm. I, we're not really trying for men. Uh, example that immediately comes to mind is the romance novel industry. It is the part of publishing that keeps the rest of publishing alive, basically. Mm-hmm. And it is completely, almost completely made by women and consumed by women. Um, but it's not taken seriously. Do you think that these women who aren't taken seriously, like, dry their tears with the piles of money that they're <laughs> that they're making and like is there a future where women who are creating art can just be like okay you know what fuck it i'm just going to do exactly the thing that i want to do i hope so i do think at this point there's still a lot of gatekeepers that are like well what's the entry point for men and so until they're out of the way i mean i don't know who runs the romance novel industry but i'm sure it's people that are like we don't give a fuck you know like get fabio in here for 10 minutes and then he's out and that's the only man we need to deal with with for the year. <laughs> and like, that's beautiful and amazing. And I hope there's more editors and studio heads that have that same opinion. And I'm sure it's increasing, mm-hmm. but it's very much like the award shows. Little Women is shut out because there are gatekeepers and decision makers that are like, this doesn't matter. Right. Well, and here's another thing that that's like sort of frustrating about the whole like Little Women conversation. If you it's hard to critique it without getting caught up in the sexism of some of the critique of it. Yeah. You know, like I, if you don't like romance novels, like a lot of people that don't like romance novels don't like it because they're sexist pigs. Mm-hmm. Some people don't like it for other reasons besides mm-hmm. sexism. So like, you know, navigating. Well, I mean, that is, it's a fantasy novel about men. Like the men in the novel are conjured through the writer's mind of what a really sexy, perfect man would be how can any of these men live up to this idea I hope and the they reason <laughs> and the reason there is an industry probably is because as the you know women walk around in their lives they're not encountering mm-hmm. these wonderful insanely sexy like all swashbuckling. (laughs) I feel like there's a lot of swash. I'm not a big consumer. They swashbuckle, I think, a lot. Exactly. Look, sometimes you just need help pitching that hay and... The most beautiful man walks in and he, oh shucks, he just wants to please you. All of his buttons and, of his shirt fell off oops. too. Whoops. And um, and he gets you. He really appreciates all the way that you made that pie, the way that you <laughs> stitched that sock, the way that you, you know, all those wonderful things that get taken for granted because you're a woman that you just do. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... Yeah, it's got to be really freaking intimidating. I mean, we can, I think we can move toward a fuck you future. I mean, that would be, I mean, because I think that there are people that are always going to seek out stories. They came out with AI people that can be your friends. (laughs) You can have your romance guy kind of. Right. But I mean, I think that there's always going to be consumers of like art and like people who watch movies who are going to seek out the experiences of people different from them, whether Mm -hmm. those people are male viewers or female viewers, whatever. Um, And I think we're approaching a time when women can just be like, I'm just going to do exactly what I want. I don't know if it's going to be in our lifetime, but, you know, we're going to keep working toward it. And if there's any babies listening to this right now, they better be thankful for us mm-hmm. when they become of age and right. they can do whatever they want. And we're sorry about everything else. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so we're sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, babies. <laughs> Cut to me going to get Botox right now. <laughs> okay. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's personal political. I think we figured it out. Right? Uh, all dunsies? Mm-hmm. We figured it out. It's, all, it's figured out, guys. We figured it out. <laughs> Enjoy your Mrs. Maisel. We uh, we have to take a quick break, but when we come back, the hills we'll die on. Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher, and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the Friend of the Pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. 
Go to crooked.com slash store to shop. Okay, we're back. This is the part of the show where we get really petty about things that don't really matter that much, but that we care deeply about. It's the hills will die on. Let's get started with the first listener hill of 2020. Hey, Hysteria, this is Molly from New Jersey. My hill is that all salads should come chopped. They should be chopped by default. There's no other way to have all the ingredients distributed evenly with the dressing. And I'm tired of having to cut up my whole salad. It takes forever. The person I'm with is already halfway done with their meal by the time my salad is ready. And if it's not chopped, then you basically get one ingredient per bite, which is not a salad. That's my hill. <laughs> Such a January hill. You know, like I haven't had a salad in six months. And you know what? It's not good. <laughs> I I want to eat something green. Yeah. I want to eat a green thing. Yeah, I agree with that. Do you guys remember the McSalad shakers from McDonald's? Yeah. Those were the best invention ever because I think Molly from New Jersey and I have something in common where it's like we like the ingredients of the salad to be evenly distributed in every bite, and McSalad Shaker assured that that would happen. You know what, my friend, I, I can't believe it took me forever until my friend Michelle showed me. When you buy like a, a ready-made salad, mm-hmm. at, you know, at the grocery store, that you pour all the dressing all over it and then put the lid back on and shake and bake it. And like shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it and get that dressing all over the thing. And then when you open it, you have a perfectly dressed salad because mm-hmm. I would always just like, well, eat all the avocado off the first layer and then just be like, I don't like anything else in here <laughs> and, and be sad. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's one way to, I mean, I figured it out on my own when I was like 10, but good for you, Michaela. Well, <laughs> I sure am pretty though. <laughs> so gorgeous. With my, that all natural face. (laughs) My wrinkly, little crinkly eyes. (laughs) Okay. Uh, If you guys want to submit a hill that you'll die on, you can record a 30-second voice memo on your phone and you can send it to our email address, hysteria at crooked.com. Okay. Now let's do our hills. Um, I'll go first just because it sort of dovetails with what we were talking about in the last segment. Mm -hmm. Okay. So... One trope in romantic movies is there is a man who is a knight from the Middle Ages and he comes to our current day, like Kate and Leopold, like he comes to the present day and he is just the best guy ever. Mm. He is tall and strapping and just like so polite and respectful of women. Um... No. First of all, uh, if you have ever been in a building that was built before like 1850 and gone upstairs, the railing is low because people were small because they got bad nutrition. In the Middle Ages, it was even worse. Every man was like five foot two, malnourished, probably had syphilis. Stinky. Stunk. Europeans had terrible hygiene so he probably smelled like missing a lot of teeth missing bad bad teeth mm-hmm. he he probably just looked he looked like a knight transported to today would look like shit <gasps> speak a language that you could barely un- he would speak with an a- accent that was terrible he would treat you like shit he would probably try to like joust you if you interrupted him no let's stop romanticizing the middle okay, age night. here's the pitch for a movie right okay. you take like an average guy from the middle ages you bring them to like manhattan mm-hmm. and then he's like a disgusting mess but for uh, through a series of events he gets sort of taken under the wing of a few people who are like no we're gonna get you right and then he goes back to the middle ages wow. and has to teach them all how to not be gross see i would here's the direction i thought you were going with that. I thought that you were going to say somebody fi- discovers him and is like, this guy tells it like it is. And he becomes As like Joe Rogan. <laughs> he gets his own podcast. All the guys listen. He interviews oh people that other people are afraid to put on the mic. Yeah. You know, he entertains flat earthers. He's not, He, but he's, he's not a throwback. He's like, he's like the future. Yeah. No. This no. is what men want to be. This is what men this is what be. we've been missing. <laughs> oh my god, we might have to cut that because that's an actual good idea. <laughs> okay, um, I'm ready. You ready? I'm ready. I think mine sort of ties into what we were talking about today too, because it is about two 
female creatives Mm -hmm. who have a very important performance coming up Mm -hmm. at the Super Bowl halftime show. Mm, First time I can remember two female headliners maybe ever, J-Lo and Shakira. Mm -hmm. It's in Miami. These women have hits. They've got incredible dancing skills, wild, beautiful bodies. I think it's going to be one of the best halftime shows we've ever seen. What we had to suffer through last year, and people, Michaela, you're looking at me like, why did we always go to sports? No, no, no. A I lot do not of at people, all. A lot of people hate the Super Bowl, but we'll watch the halftime show. 100%. And I think this year is going to be incredible. I really, really do. I'm hoping for a Lil Nas X cameo, just mm-hmm. putting that out into the world. Um, just to... Women of, like, varied backgrounds. It's just going to be awesome. Wait until Vice President Pence hears that Shakira is Middle Eastern. Oh, no. He's going to kneal during the halftime show. He's going to have to throw down his yummy popcorn bag and go away. I wonder if he gets invited. I hope not. Yeah. I bet he's like, I don't go to Miami. Yeah. You know, like he knows something. But I could, yeah, I mean, I'm from India and I could see people there not wanting to travel to South Beach. Well, yeah. I, I, I only watched the halftime show and I, I even, I really loved the Justin Timberlake when I, I really felt. Like I was there like live. It got, was so bad. First of all, it was so bad because so he did the first five minutes in the tunnel. Oh. And it's like, bitch, you're in a stadium of 80,000 people. Get the fuck out here. But on TV, I was like, it was, why is everybody so mad? Okay, well, guys. Well, because of Janet Jackson. She's been banned oh, yeah. for life. Exactly. And he ripped off the thing. Right. And I kept thinking, okay, he's going to do it. Mm-hmm. And then she's going to come and out. Gonna and then it's going to be this full circle that would have been the move. vindication and then that didn't happen yeah, and it's like hologram. hey JT you should have not done it then yeah okay Prince was the best halftime show ever and there's never going to be any competition at all Prince we disagree was, but uh, okay. I, oh my god if you watch footage of his performance of Purple Rain it's from, cool it's so cool and it came back as a hologram right? I'm yeah oh no I, he, that's, I'm so sad he, I'm so sad he's dead I like weekly I fight the urge to get a Prince tattoo, mm-hmm. like get that. It, get it. I think yeah, I, I think it. I might before yeah. before it. my wedding. Before so your it's wedding, in the absolutely. Pictures. Like tramp stamp. Okay, but upper back. <laughs> on your back. I have a tramp stamp on my upper back okay. of a deer, which okay. you've yes, seen. Yes, yes, yes. It's a big male deer head. Um. Anyway, we're getting off topic. <laughs> <laughs> Michaela, are you ready for the hill you'll die on? I think I'm ready, guys. This is a question more than a hill. Because uh, I'm finding myself getting, like, perturbed. And if I just understood the etiquette, then maybe I won't be. But when it's your birthday and somebody puts, like, happy birthday, Megan, in my store, you know, mm-hmm. like, to the funniest redhead this side of redhead town. <laughs> um, and, and then, it, it like, is it your job? Do you have to repost it? And, like, is that... Is that kind of the gig? Are we doing this now? It's. I, I know people that have gotten in fights over this, ah! um, or just like I knew it. I know. Pe- I this know is people, why I'm asking. This is important. For I know our people listeners. that have been like, "You storied my birthday," and I thought it was going to be a timeline <gasps> post. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so it is. Uh, we're sending these people to Iran first, I'm right? Just, there is an uh, there is an etiquette, but it's unwritten as of yet. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a sliding scale of how close you are to this person. But if I post something about somebody and they don't repost it, I, I guess it depends on what's going on in their life too. Mm-hmm. Like when Ra- I, a lot of us posted about Rami mm-hmm. Yusuf winning the Golden Globe. Mm-hmm. And it's like, listen, Rami's got a lot going on. He can't repost my story. Right. But like my mom, mm-hmm. who has 14 Instagram followers, if I'm like, look how great she looks and she doesn't restory that, I'm like, Peg, you don't have a Golden Globe. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving you content here. I feel like if Dana Schwartz were here, she mm-hmm. would have a different set of etiquette just because she's a Young. little bit younger than us. And I think it's it. It changes based on your age because right. I like I'm right. I think you and I are like Megan. You and I are like close to the yeah. cusp of when you have to like we're the cusp of like a normalized set of etiquette rules. Yes. I think, yes. and, I, and I basically just want perimenopause to be a topic. Yeah, <laughs> but I I I feel like 
I watched the one of the daughters on my show, you know, she had a birthday and I was like, what did you have? Like 75 birthday cakes? And I was looking at your stories and it was just like like 20 different people saying happy birthday yeah. to you over a cake. She goes, no, it's from other, those are from other birthdays. birthdays and so you do that. And I was like, and then it was my birthday. And then I felt this enormous pressure that I was supposed to do that. And uh, I think I let a few people down. This is why you go into hiding on your birthday so nobody makes a big deal out of it and you don't spend the whole day thinking about your own mortality. I know. I don't even celebrate my birthday. That's what? what was fun. I just the like internet I just like to do what I want on my birthday and usually what I want to do is just be left alone. Oh, I do <laughs> until eleven PM and then I'm like, Why did you do anything? <laughs> but if you're Nobody <laughs> loves me. I hate my birthday. As a rule of as a as a rule of thumb and I should take the own advice, if you're posting to get a repost. It's not coming from a genuine place. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's so deep, Megan. So deep. <laughs> Send me back to the Middle Ages. I'll teach you something. <laughs> okay, guys. Here's how you Instagram. You're not flossing? <laughs> they would honestly think you were a wizard if you went back with an iPhone that worked. Oh, I mean, yeah. not, not one that got a signal. Obviously, there's no cell phone. I mean, besides there. the fact that you time traveled. Right. They would, if we can't send a woman, they would burn us. But if we send a man, they'll be fine, I bet. Yeah. They couldn't burn us. They're like knee high because of the nutrition. You just kick them? Right. Just kick them. Just kick them out of the way. Just send like Larry Bird. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's going to be a great ambassador. (laughs) I'll be like, he's so tall. (laughs) He would teach them all about Indiana. (laughs) Okay. uh, Megan, Michaela, thanks so much for stopping by today. This was super fun. I missed you guys. Sports. I missed you guys. Um, Listeners, thanks for tuning in. Alyssa Mastromonico, thanks for calling in. There'll be more hysteria for you next week. Hysteria is a product of Crooked Media. Caroline Reston is our producer. Our editor is Sarah Barrett, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thank you to Juliet Beckstrand for production support and to our digital team, Elijah Cohn and Nadina Malconian for filming and editing our video content every week. <laughs>